Hello, my name is Pastor Brian Taylor, and you're listening to the sermon series of 2 Corinthians. Our church is Forest Avenue Baptist Church, and we want to welcome you to come join us. Our address is 106 West Forest Avenue, Sherman, Texas, 75090, and our service times are 9.30 for Sunday school and 10.45 for worship. You can contact us online at www.fabcsherman.com or call us at 903-892-3506. We pray that the Lord blesses you through His Word, and thank you for listening. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 6, is talking to the believers about the things that he has suffered, and I want you to listen for that. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in affliction, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity and knowledge and patience and kindness, the Holy Spirit and genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and even dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children. Widen your hearts also. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light have with darkness? What accord has Christ with uh, Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. We spoke last week about the salvation that has been given to us free and clear by Jesus Christ and how each of us is called to carry our cross and to follow Jesus by denying ourselves and taking up that cross. And we talked about how in this world today it's like people don't want to deny themselves anything and yet we are called as believers to oftentimes limit our own rights, limit our own choices, limit especially our passions and appetites and desires and lusts so that we might carry the kingdom of Christ to a lost world. This week, Paul continues to explain that we 
are called to work. That four-letter word that seems to be a curse word in today's society, right? Work. That is the first word of this chapter. Work, working together with him. Now this him is an article, whether it's definite. Um, it is a Greek article that we're not so sure if it means Jesus or if it, because it wouldn't have been in the original text, it wouldn't be assumed. And so we're not sure if it's Jesus or if it's the church, but whichever one Paul means, if he means working together with them or working together with him, it doesn't matter because the church is the body of Christ. It's his. This is his church. You are a part of the bricks God is stacking up and the, the members of the body coming together. You are the church. It's his mission and it's his kingdom and it's his aim to create believers in a lost world. Lost, people dying, going to hell. And so you are a part of that. And whether it means working together with him or working together with them, meaning the church, it doesn't matter because it's all belonging to Jesus anyway. Okay? Now, I do like him. Personally, I like that that definite article better because it shows us that Jesus is working with us. We can do nothing without the power of God, right? We need Jesus to help us in this endeavor. We're not doing it alone. Working together with Him. We are not called to earn our salvation. We know that. This work that we are doing, it's not to earn it. the cross by any means. Jesus paid for our salvation, it's free and clear, it's, um, we receive it based upon faith in him alone, and it, it's not to earn it, but we are called to seek first his kingdom, and what? All these other things shall be added. Therefore, if we're called to seek God's kingdom, we must not delay, because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Right? That's what Leanne read for y'all today. And today, now is the time. And Paul begins to talk about seeking the grace of God or had the grace of God come to you in vain. It's not talking about losing your salvation. But it's talking about a people. Can you imagine a people growing up in the church, unwilling to deny themselves and pick up the cross, unwilling to work for the kingdom of God, but somehow imagine that church is just another place of entertainment could you imagine a people that would grow up in a society like that and just that's you right that's me that's what the church has become just another place where people can come and sit and watch but brothers this is no movie theater I saw the news last week and they had I guess in Durant I think it was in Durant they had turned this old church or church place where people used to come to worship they had turned it into a, a, the second or third movie theater for the town and I thought to myself how weird must it be for people to come in to a place like this and for two hours watch a PG-13 or even a rated R movie but I want to tell you something there are people in church this Sunday morning where all they do is watch anyway brothers and sisters we are called work 
working together with Him. You see, I believe that Jesus Christ is on the move. Just like C.S. Lewis said of the, in the story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Aslan comes into Narnia, and there begins to be an excitement in that book, if you've read that children's book in a while, or if you've seen the movie, there begins to be picking up some excitement in that book because Aslan, the great lion, the king of Narnia, the, the one who created all of it has come, and he's on the move, is what C.S. Lewis said. Jesus Christ is on the move. He is changing the hearts and minds of people all over Sherman and Grayson County and all over the world. His gospel still saves, and we are working together with him. Brothers and sisters, we are not called to watch. We are called to work. The kingdom of God is suffering violence, and the violence take it by force. The violent take it by force. We, so what is our weaponry for battle? Paul says we have weapons of righteousness in our right hands and in our left. I like that. I mean, he's, he's got them in both hands. He's working for the kingdom with both hands. The lazy man in the church who feels as if work is beneath him knows nothing of the grace of God. Jesus Christ worked. For three years he came to this earth and he was always busy. Uh, the disciples sometimes wanted to send the people away. And Jesus said, no, suffer the little children to come unto me. He would turn to them sometimes and he'd say, no, you feed them. What do you mean, Jesus, we feed them? We don't have enough to feed them. He says, let's break this bread. Let's take this fish and let's ask God to bless it and see what he will do. He was always working for his father's kingdom. He receives the grace of God in vain who will not work for Christ's kingdom. He may be saved, but he will receive no reward. His end may be very much like the man who is saved as drove through fire. And I will, I will remind you too, if for some reason there is some thought in you that you can sit year after year, Sunday after Sunday in the church pew, and just watch and do nothing for the kingdom of God and not be involved in any way in the gospel witness. I want to remind you of the story of the man with one talent. How many of you remember that story? The master comes and he gives talents, and the one who gives five, he makes ten, you know. and You know the story. The one who gives two, he makes five, and the one who gets one talent. He said, I've known you, master, to be a hard man, and so I buried the talent. I didn't do anything with it. I didn't put the money to interest to the bank. I didn't do, I didn't create some opportunity so I could re in return make more out of this talent you've given me, but I buried it. The Bible says that the master was furious with the man. And even at the end of that passage, he says, you will be separated from me to a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that's pretty serious. God wants us to seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. In today's religious climate, we have a lot of people who put church last. They put the kingdom of God last. It is the last thing they think about when they're making up their monthly financial whatever, checkbook. It is the last thing they think about when it comes to volunteering or being a part of anything. 
Church is always optional. It's always last. The school system comes first. The sports comes first. You know it. The community events come first. Church always has to take the last place. How does that line up with your Bible? It doesn't. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now I understand that I recognize the fact that not everything we do around here um, is, is, you know, we're not always sharing the gospel with everything. We should be. There are times where I'm, I'm convicted that some of the things that we do, we maybe need to do more gospel sharing. But, brothers and sisters, I really believe that what we do here, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, Saturdays when we're reaching out to a lost neighborhood, week after week after week, is so important in the kingdom of God. And we, We're calling men and women everywhere to be a part and join us to seek first the kingdom of God in their lives. A man who will not work shall not eat. And to the one who works for the kingdom of God and is given responsibility, more responsibility will be given. And so we need servants instead of seekers. Listen to what Paul endured. I'm going to just do that list again. With great endurance, through affliction, through hardship and calamity and beatings and imprisonments and riots and labors and sleepless nights and hunger. How many of you have endured for the kingdom of God in that way? And somebody would say, well, pastor, you haven't endured hunger. We can tell that. Nobody giggled. What's wrong? Yeah. But we need to endure some things. We need to be willing to go through trials and tests. We need to be able to be, like what Paul said, accused of being an imposter and yet always being true. You ever been accused of something? Brothers and sisters, we need to be folks that have weapons of righteousness on our right hands and our left through honor and dishonor, no matter what it takes, through slander or praise, to make sure that the gospel is going forth. These 28 very descriptive words tell us what it means to live our lives working for and with Jesus. Forest Avenue, we are called to work together with him, just as much as the believers in Corinth were called to work together with Jesus in Paul's day. 2,000 years has not changed the fact that we are called to spend and be spent for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, but Brian, that's, that's folks that are in ministry, that's pastors, you guys are called. That's why you, you feel that way. Was Seek Ye First the Kingdom of God written to pastors? Or was it written to everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ? Work for the night is coming. Do you remember that song? The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What will the Son of Man find his faithful steward doing when he returns? Remember verses like that? Will he be eating and drinking and resting and pursuing pleasure? Or will the church of God be working so that the kingdom of God can be shed abroad in men and women's and children's hearts? As I read this list, I'm reminded how much I am called to sacrifice for the kingdom of God, but I'm also reminded how much you are called to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. As a body, we are called to spend and be spent 
for Christ's kingdom. Paul is not the only one who is commanded to live this way. Why is he writing to the Corinthian church this way? Because they live in a secular, pleasure-seeking, self-oriented time. How applicable is that today? We live in a world in which people do not deny themselves any pleasure. They run after everything under the sun, and God forbid the church say something is sin. Right? This is the age we live in in which we are as a nation, the Corinthian church in a lot of ways, or at least the Corinthian town. Corinthian town had a temple with a thousand full-time, not part-time, full-time prostitutes. They didn't deny themselves any worldly pleasure. They had all kinds of people, immigrants, sailors, people coming, uh, people that would trade and people that sold products, commerce coming through there. It was a very wealthy town. They didn't deny themselves anything. Paul makes this final appeal to the Corinthian church. And he even says that they're acting like children. Did you notice that little part? He said, I have to speak to you like your children. Um, I know what that means because sometimes my wife has said, Brian, can you come a little closer? This is what I need you to do. <laughs> you, ever been to, you ever been spoken to like a child? A couple of times it's happened to me, I'm afraid. Brothers and sisters, he says, open wide your heart to me. He said, come a little closer so I can speak to you as I speak to a child. He gets down on his knees and he looks the, the Corinthian church in the face and he says, I have spent everything for you guys. I have suffered so that God's gospel could come to you guys. I have t I've cried over you. I've had to write letters of rebuke to you. I've had to straighten out this guy that took his father's wife. It's a horrible, immoral thing that this guy did. I had to straighten all that out. He said, guys, I've been in prison. I've suffered shipwrecks. I've gone hungry. I've gone thirsty. I've done everything I can do. He says, I have opened my heart to you completely. And there's only one thing I want you to do for me. I want you to open your heart to me. Trust me. Trust me. Work together with me. Don't work against me. This November, our, our church, as I said in the announcements, we're going to be hosting a missions conference. And one of my desires for this conference is that the young people and the middle-aged people and the new mamas and daddies and the senior adults, that all of us together could get a renewed vision for what God is doing in this world and how he wants to use you and me to impact Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Sherman, Grayson County, Texas, Mexico, Canada, the United States, and to the ends of the earth, to the farthest reaches, God wants to use you for his kingdom. You say, how could he use little old me? I'm just this guy in Sherman never left my county seat. There's people like that. It's maybe, maybe somebody in this room. How could he use me? Can I tell you something? 
The Lord uses His children to accomplish His work. And all you have to do is open wide your heart to Him. It's going to take a lot of prayer because we live in a time where missions is the Cinderella of the church. What do you mean, Brian? I'm saying that when you tell people and invite them to a missions conference, their first response is not going to be, whoopee, let's go. Because we live in a time when missions is the Cinderella of the church. She is relegated to the basement and she washes dishes. She does the laundry. We, we oftentimes don't support missions like we should, do we? We don't pray for our missionaries like we should. We don't give to our missionaries like we should. A lot of them suffer. I'll never forget um, being a missionary overseas. And one time, I guess it comes up to that time when it's your birthday and you know how they used to write letters and pray for you on your birthday. I got a little letter from somebody I didn't know on my birthday. It means a lot. Many of us have never sacrificed for God's kingdom to be spread across this world, and some of you have. Paul is begging the Corinthian church to open up their hearts to him, to see his mission of planting churches as important and vital. He wants them to join with him with all their heart to win their town and their countries for Jesus Christ, their state and their nation, and even across the street. If you close your heart to working for Jesus then the kingdom of God must suffer along with it. I believe the kingdom of God will still produce fruit. But oftentimes, those that work for the kingdom suffer and they persevere through it and overcome obstacles, even the obstacle of the church not helping them. truth is many of us have partnerships some of these partnerships are good some of these partnerships are bad more churches need to partner with missionaries so that the gospel can go to the ends of the world it it just it cannot be done I am convinced even though the Southern Baptists have 3,500 whatever the number is wonderful missionaries 3,500 people cannot reach 7 billion people it can't happen. We have got to send more. We have got to give more so that people can send more. And we've got to get to a place where churches begin to realize that it's their responsibility. Missions is not Lottie Moon's responsibility. It's not the IMB's responsibility. It's our responsibility to win the world for Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I love parachurch organizations. I love the International Mission Board. But they cannot get the job done. It's too big. They need churches to do more than give an offering once a year. We've got to see that the mission of God is first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I know that it will come. Because I'm speaking to, this is really countercultural, by the way. This is not some kind of message that you're going to hear every church preach. But I know that I'm speaking to a culture of people 
that in a lot of ways have been told church is optional, giving is optional, tithing is optional. You don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to give your life to the ministry. Ministry can be anything you do. Brothers and sisters, this is the ministry I'm describing. The ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ where people go and actually tell Jesus Christ died for your sins. He loves you. You have a sin problem. You need him. And your life will not be changed until you're the battery gave up guys I'll get back on the mic here you see we have partnerships for good and for evil <clears throat> you ever partnered with somebody maybe been in business with somebody and it didn't go well some of you may have had that experience Jesus says Paul says in this letter that sometimes we join our hands with Belial. See, the Corinthians had some partnerships that were evil. They had some of the, your church members had been down partnering with the temple prostitutes. Some of the church members had been down partnering with the Choctaw Casino, right? We're just making. <laughs> some of the churches had been down there partnering with the liquor store. You know what I'm saying? Some of the churches have partnerships that aren't good, they're sinful. And we've all heard this passage preached where, you know what I'm talking about, where boyfriend and girlfriend, you don't need to be dating people that are not Christian because what happens is you might one day get married and then you've got this partnership where one person loves the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and the other person wants nothing to do with Jesus and you're in a marriage bond, right? And that is applicable. That's really true. God doesn't want us to partner uh, especially in that marital relationship with someone who's not saved. But it can go much further into life. Paul says Christians are not supposed to be unequally yoked. Satan lives in our secrets. Sometimes we join ourselves to things and partner and, and involve ourselves in things that are wrong and evil and secretive and addictive and we join ourselves to things that hurt us brothers and sisters anytime we do that it affects our kids our families our church family Satan lives in our secrets and when we join ourselves to things that we don't want anybody to know about Paul's words are true we have to come out from among them did you hear that part where he said that in 2 Corinthians 6? We have to come out from their midst. You see, John says that everyone who loves the light comes to the light. Who Everyone who wants to have their deeds exposed comes to the light. But do you know what happens when people don't want to come to the light? You ever turn on the light in your house and see the mouse or the, or the roach run for the corner? And you go, uh-oh, I got a problem. You see, brothers and sisters, that's what happens at night with your light switch. But it also what happens with the human heart. When God comes and begins to convict of sin, sometimes we run from God. 
When he begins to call us to a deeper walk with himself, to a deeper ministry, to more accountability, to more responsibility, sometimes people run from God. And the light has been flipped on maybe for your heart this morning. And I want to know if you'll partner with the Lord. Will you work together with him? He wants to be Lord of your life. Come out of your sin. Come out into forgiveness and love. Come out of addiction. Come out of lust. Come out of greed. Come out of making money your Lord. Come out of whatever sin you've been putting first in your life. Come to Jesus. Let him turn the light on. Don't run. Confess your sin to him. He will forgive. You see, we're supposed to be temples of the living God. And sometimes we've made his temple places of darkness and filth because we won't come out into the light. And you see what will happen when we come to the light? God will make us his son and his daughter. There is a reward for all of those who are willing to confess their sin to Jesus. Did you hear that? Adoption. There is a reward for all of those who are willing to lay down their sin at Jesus' feet and say, this is who I am. We were talking this morning in Sunday school about an anger problem within our culture. Have you sensed it? Have you felt it? Have you watched the news lately with all the gun violence? Uh, we were driving. <laughs> Does this happen to you when you go to Dallas? When you drive south, do you get flipped off? Oh, we didn't even know what we were doing wrong. Our culture has an anger problem. It has a violence problem. It has a sin problem. It has something deep within its nature. You teachers, you see it every day. You deal with parents, you deal with kids. That It seems like people are just barely hanging on to their last nerve. And they're about to lose it with everybody they talk to. What is going on in our society? Brothers and sisters, for all of those who are willing to lay their lives down at the feet of Jesus, there is a peace that comes over them. A forgiveness and a love, an adoption that takes place. Perhaps today you find yourself in that darkness. You've been running, you've been hiding, and God is saying, Come out from among them. Come home, my son. Come home, my daughter. Leave your partnerships with things that are hurting you and join yourself to me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Well, how will I pay my bills? Is the Lord a bad father that he gives his son a stone when he asks for bread? When his son asks for fish, doesn't he give him fish? Does he give him a snake? Well, how will I? The birds of the air God feeds. And he clothes the grass and the flowers of the field with splendor. Will he not do the same for you, his child? Seek ye first his kingdom. And all these other things will be added to you. Stop spending your money on stuff that won't even satisfy. The 
Lord can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus. Steve, this morning, your Sunday school lesson was on uh, contentment and discontentment, on what it means to be content. Paul says, I've learned to be content in all situations, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in loneliness or having people near my side, whether in prison or free. How can he say that? He has sought first the kingdom of God and everything else worked itself out because God provided. Stop spending our lives and our energy and our time and our money on stuff that is wasting away. The mission of God is the only inheritance that I want. You know, a lot of pastors, they get to the time of retirement and uh, they didn't get into it for the money. And so sometimes some of us didn't save very well. You know what I'm saying? We get to the end. And so I know a lot of guys, and they don't know how they, maybe they don't know how if they're going to make it or not. There have been plenty of times in my life where we weren't sure if, if the money was going to add up, but I went anyway. I don't know. He's always taking care of me. He's always taking care of me. And he'll take care of you too. Would you bow your head?